Well, what are you going to learn today? I think you're going to learn to surround yourself with good people. Taylor Swift reminded again this week what having the wrong people in your corner means later on. We're going to talk contracts, networks, and success with the host of the Build a Bigger Life podcast, Adam Carroll, with us on today's November 19th version of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Bunny with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement in Texarkana, Texas, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihi. And my name is Adam Carroll, coming to you from the COVID epicenter, apparently, in <laughs> Iowa. You never red. thought you'd have the opportunity to say that, did you? Oh, gosh, red zone. Wave next time you fly over, Joe. Oh, man. Uh, this is the show where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Today, we're going to cover one that comes to us from Variety. Uh, not only do we read them, like some podcasts, we dive into how they affect your wallet, what you can do to invest better, save better, spend better, and we try to do that in all in less than 20 minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money. Keep your financial life organized and on course. Easily track your money over time. Always know what's safe to spend and confidently plan for the future with spreadsheets automatically updated by Tiller Money. Free 30-day trial if you go to tillerhq.com uh, forward slash MWF for money with friends. That's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Well, Adam Carroll's back with us today. It's been a month and apparently you are Mr. Super Spreader now. I am. Well, I understand that, uh, you know, my super spreader capabilities got your YouTube video rankings <laughs> higher than any other video this last month. That's exciting. It did. We finally, we finally broke the hundred views mark. And, and I think we're at the 200 views mark. You and I talking about Chadwick Boseman, which is why we're totally going to sell out today and talk about Taylor Swift. Because here's what I, I think, I think Adam Carroll, I immediately think the Taylor Swift of the financial podcasting oh, world. Dude, you were too kind. I thought we were going to go like a TMZ route. Every one of our shows is just going to be talking about celebrities. It, it totally will. We'll call it TMMWF. I don't know. There you go. All know. right. Let's, let's talk Taylor Swift. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's discussion. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. PE ratios, stock purchase plans, Federal Reserve meetings, we must be getting ready for another episode of Money with Friends. All right. This piece comes to us from Variety. As I mentioned earlier, it is written by, have that right here, Shirley Halp, uh, Halperin. Scooter Braun sells Taylor Swift's Big Machine Masters for a big payday. Uh, the piece begins some 17 months after Scooter Braun's Ithaca Holdings LLC acquired Big Machine Label Group and all of its recorded music assets, sources tell Variety. The veteran manager and entrepreneur sold the master rights to Taylor Swift's first six albums. The buyer and investment fund is yet unknown, but the deal is believed to be north of $300 million. Closed in the last couple of weeks, some insiders speculate the value could be as high as $450 million once certain uh, earnbacks are factored in. Uh, Ithaca, if you remember, this was a big headline a few years ago, purchased the Nashville-based independent record label Big Machine, founded by Scott Borchetta in 2005, in June 19, uh, 2019, for just over $300 million, of which Swift's catalog from her 2006 self-titled debut all the way up through 2017's reputation was believed to be worth some $140 million. Uh, 
uh, and it goes on to say that uh, uh, her contract expired in fall of 2018 and she moved on from there. Of course, Taylor Swift, if you remember, Adam, was not happy at all that Scott purchased that and said that nobody reached out to her to talk about, like, what are you actually buying, uh, doing your due diligence? Are we going to be good partners in the future? And she was very unhappy. And in fact, we'll get into this, but her contract gives her some outs now very soon, which might have factored into this. When you read this, what was the first thing you thought about uh, Taylor Swift? You know what? Candidly, Joe, one of the first things I thought of was when we did the Broke, Busted and Disgusted documentary, um, we ended up partnering with a couple of firms. And I, after the fact, I was so frustrated that we got into a relationship with the agencies that we did because they did nothing. Oh, so my perspective, I thought, wow, Swift as a creator of intellectual property might have gotten in with the wrong people at the beginning and now is paying the price for it on the back end. Um, and, and I think that uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes right on this in terms of writing the music. It's everything from her signature to the album arts. I mean, all this stuff that she created and created likely as a teenager, you know, yeah. when she did this, when she was with Big Machine. So she didn't have the the foresight of being in the industry for 10 or 15 years and knowing what she knows today. Here's here's what I thought about when I thought about this, because I, I find everything you said, super interesting, but I also think in your own personal life, is there anything that you could have, that you see now that you would have done differently to change that? Me personally or with yeah. No, no. For you in your situation where you partner with the wrong people, yeah. do you look back now and you go, you know what, for the documentary, I would now, if I was doing this again, I would do X, Y, and Z differently right. than you did last time. Is there something that maybe our audience can learn that you should have done some due diligence? Maybe you should have done. I think the due diligence is a big one. I I think the other side of the coin is um, understanding what the value of what you're creating is worth. So, you know, did Taylor Swift know she would have a a magazine or a catalog magazine, a catalog of music worth hundreds of millions of dollars uh, down the road and to continue creating that and profit off of that? um, You know, you got to be somewhat mindful of who you're bringing into your camp on the front end knowing that you're going to be paying them into perpetuity uh, to some extent. I mean, you're somebody you also do, and we didn't talk about this in the open, all the different crazy things that AC does, but the, uh, but, but you do retreats and part of the, the retreats are not just building a better you, but part of it I have to imagine is surrounding yourself with the right people. I feel like Taylor, as she's grown older, has realized the importance of having the right people in her corner, which, which plays into what you do. I think a ton. Yeah, for sure. It really is about who do you have around you. Um, I think it was Jim Rohn may have said that you are the the average of your five closest friends. So choose your friends carefully, um, which you know brings into question why you and I are hanging out on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sitting right here, man. I'm <laughs> oh, sitting right that here. Was a thought, it was a thought bubble that came out. Get a filter. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think finding the right people in your in your camp and your corner. I just had a call this morning from a, a friend of mine who's a, a mastermind partner, and he was going through all these financial machinations. Should he refi, and if he does, should he have a HELOC, and what does he do with the money? And he's actually looking at a cash out of his business. I felt really honored to be one of the guys that he's calling for that advice and information. Um, I don't know that a lot of people have that outlet. Yeah. And so one of the suggestions might be 
who do you have in your camp that is so financially savvy or business savvy or legal savvy that when you are faced with a question like Taylor Swift was at 15 or 13 or whatever she was when she signed to, uh, was it Big Machine? Big yeah. Machine Records. When she signed to them, who did she have in her camp that was actually advising her in that uh, in that career? And my guess is probably not a lot of people when you're that young. No, and well, and I'm also thinking when you're that young, she's just excited to be on stage, right? And she's thinking like a lot of these bands thought. Uh, many of us have heard of the story of uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and how John Fogerty and that whole team just got completely screwed by the, the their their label and all these wonderful songs from the '60s and '70s. John Fogerty for a number of years would not sing anymore on stage because. Every time he sang it, he got no money. And finally, he put that to bed, by the way. The last many years, he's gone on tour and he sang those songs and just tells people, he's like, you know what? I've just made my piece that I got screwed and made a bad decision. Luckily with Taylor, though, later down in this piece, let's talk about what happened. She did. She yeah. does now have the ability, and this might be why Scooter sold these now. She has the ability to re-record all these songs, which a lot of people don't have. And Taylor Swift, Adam, is so vocal on social media that I think if you play the old one versus the new one, like if whoever bought these, I can't figure out why you buy them because having Taylor Swift come after me on social media would be right. a horror story that I don't want. Right. I have to believe that what they did, they bought it based on, uh, you know, selling the songs to movies, uh, to, you know, production houses that are going to use it in movies, commercials, all the commercialization of that music, I think, is where the value is in, in the catalog itself. But yeah, the, her ability to re-record, which I believe starts it's either this year or next year. Yeah, very soon. I think that's a goldmine for Taylor Swift to re-record that and re-release albums that she you know, wrote 10 or 15 years ago, but is now has the maturity behind her to re-record. I think it's awesome. That's also a due diligence thing. There was something else in here that I wanted to, to, to talk to you about, which is Scooter Braun, the guy that she's had this feud with. He talks about how he doesn't even want to have this feud about how people can change. Opinions can change. I wish we could just talk. He's, he sounds very conciliatory while he's laughing all the way to the bank. Is he really conciliatory or do you think he's just saying what the press wants to, wants to hear? I want to hear what Mike has to say. Cause he, he clearly knows some stuff. About he, he might be a Swifty. Here's what I learned, Joe, in some of my, my uh, copious research in the last 24 hours on this topic. He was, so was, Taylor Swift was asked to sign an NDA before she was ever even given a chance to make an offer on her own catalog. And the NDA, according to her attorneys, was so out of a scope because it basically said that she had to sign an NDA saying that um, she could only say positive things about Scooter Braun. She could never say anything disparaging about him. So you got to wonder for a guy to play the good guy card, like, hey, I really want to make amends and I reached out to you and you didn't respond back. Is he really a good guy if he's having her sign an NDA that she can never say anything to spur right. right. just kind of wonder if, you know, how legit is the guy when, when that happens? I don't mean to speak ill of him, but you got to wonder that if an NDA is put out there before she ever has a chance to buy her own catalog back. But you know, I think a takeaway, 
I think a takeaway here, Adam, because I just bought this house in Texarkana next to mom's house. When we um, when we go through all that paperwork, the, you know, the, the, they they have the closer sit down with you at the title company. There's stacks of paperwork. And what does the closer do? The closer says, basically, here, you're signing this, sign yeah. on the bottom. You're signing this, sign, sign on the bottom. Sign here. Sign yeah. Here. And, and, and I'll tell you, I don't think 98% of people, that's probably even low, 99.5% of people have no idea what they're signing when they sign all yeah. this paperwork. Right. Like, I think well, you, by I, the way, it says you can't stay if you don't pay. I just wanted to make sure you knew that you, you can't stay if you don't pay. That's what that paperwork you signed says. You can't stay in the house. Yeah. If you don't pay. What kind of rig is that? <laughs> <laughs> I can't default on my mortgage and stay here. Oh, unfortunately that is I'm out. I'm done. I, 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 I didn't know. They, they said this monthly payment thing. I'm like, how long does that go on? And they said 30 years. I'm like, are you 30 years? What is that about? That's a, that's a mess. Um, uh, but, but you should always request that paperwork the night before and just walk through every, no matter what contract you're signing, walk through it. And, and you know what, if you just like, an, I don't know why somebody want to eat an elephant, Adam, but there's that eat an elephant one bite at a time. But just take that contract and make sure you just understand each little thing and you will understand it. I think every time I walk through those, I walk through a will, I walk through a tax form, take it one piece at a time and try to understand it. And I think you, you can do it. I would agree with you. And in, in going back to the broke, busted and disgusted comment I made earlier, when we did that documentary and we were in negotiations to, uh, you know, to partner with this firm, to end up, we ultimately sold it to CNBC for a year. And the, the contract language was such that there were things in there that I know I didn't foresee happening, you know, as in uh, they, they basically said, you can't release this online during this period of time. There's, there's no way that you can do this in a, uh, like a free format. It wouldn't go to, to YouTube. They would have legally blocked us from doing that. And so in going through that contract, I learned on the next two or three, what to look for, what, a, what to write in, what protection we had. And I think that is maybe part of the lesson for Taylor Swift and every artist that's come after her is paying attention to the artists that have come before you. And where did they get, where did they get yeah. sucker? Yeah. Like, so so our, our, yeah, our earlier story, right. The credence yeah. story and, and whatever it might be yeah. in just a second, Adam and I are going to have our big takeaway from today's uh, piece about Taylor Swift and, uh, and her masters being sold. First want to say a big thanks to everybody though, who's used our link when they've gone to tiller money. Uh, it's, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Here's why I like using this. While I am a money geek, I'm not a spreadsheet geek guys, but I use spreadsheets because every time that I've used an app to try to track my money, there's always a piece of it that I don't like. And if the app is free, I also find there's some clever ways for them to make sure they make a little money uh, by showing me ads all the time. I'm there to do my budget, not to be marketed. What's cool about Tiller is that it comes with a bunch of templates that bigger money geeks than me made. And if I don't like the template because it's a spreadsheet, I can change it. I, for me, I dumb it down. I know for a lot of you money geeks, you like more charts and graphs and you can make it easier even bigger and better and see every way your money comes in, the way your money comes out, dice it however you want, uh, because it's the power of either Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel, whichever one that you like. And now that Microsoft Excel is bringing back a version of Microsoft Money that I know money geeks in the 90s really like, the older money geeks out there like me, I remember how much people love that before Microsoft got rid of it. That plays nicely with Tiller as well. Check it out at tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You'll get a 
free 30-day trial, and hopefully you'll see why I like it so much. Good time, by the way, Adam, to start tracking your money now during the holidays, because this is, I don't know about you, but this is the time for people listening to the audio. I'm taking my hand in that just bills coming off <laughs> thing. I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm super spreader with my cash uh, this time of year, every year. Yeah, the, the holes in the bottom of the boat get bigger and bigger in December. <laughs> Right. At at the very least, I want to be one guy out at the end of the boat bailing out while my family is putting holes in the other end of the boat. So indeed, indeed. (laughs) it's crazy. What's our takeaway from today's piece, Adam? Do you think about uh, Taylor Swift and her masters being sold? You know, I think the the takeaway is learn from those who have come before you. And um, one of the things that uh, I'm always struck with is that we are not the first ones to do what we're doing. So if you are looking at a contract or you are a creator and you're signing a a representation agreement, find out what has happened in the past where people have gotten stuck and learn from their mistakes and don't make the same ones. Um, I think success leaves clues and failure leaves clues. So if we find these cases where things didn't go as planned, what can we learn from those moving forward in our own journey? I, uh, I love that. And you know what, something we didn't talk about, so it wouldn't have been a takeaway until now, but that I, that I really like about what you said, I think about the power of referrals and knowing people who know, but you might not know the right people to be in your corner to help out, but you know, the people who know the people, and there's a great book that a lot of us have read called, uh, uh, the millionaire next door, Dr. Thomas Stanley. He very famously wrote that book. A lot of people have heard that. What a lot of people don't know is he wrote a couple books that are companions of this. And and you might've read these books, Adam. There's Networking with the Affluent and Marketing to the Affluent, which he also wrote for people that want to work with millionaires and multimillionaires. And what he said is these people, people that have a lot of money and are very successful, always work through referrals, always work through referrals. Because the way to not get in a mess is not just to look at history, but to look at history around you. And I think that's by asking your friend. And if I ask Adam, Adam will go, Oh, don't do that because I did that. And, and you definitely don't want to walk down that path. Uh, that's how, that's how the wealthiest people work is through referrals. And you probably should too. I love that. Well, thank you, man. Hey, uh, I heard a rumor that you've got this awesome podcast. I do have an awesome podcast. It's called the Build a Bigger Life podcast. We are on episode uh, nearly 160. I think I recorded 159 yesterday. And I'm very excited about it because it uh, essentially we interview people who are building a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Those who are doing more of what they love to do, less of what they have to do. And we get to share the nine core tenets that it requires to build a bigger life. So each week we uh, interview someone and I give some tidbits on how to build a bigger life yourself. And all that leads to the retreat, as you talked about earlier. Well, and I like two things that you've talked about recently. Number one is uh, it's a tough time for mental health right now for a lot of people. And just seeing the resurgence of COVID, there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, they're already uh, yeah. not around people, which isn't healthy. They're going to be around fewer people uh, and for a longer period of time. So you talking about mental health a couple episodes ago, I thought was incredible. And then the fact that we all need to be together and we just got through an incredibly divided time. You had a solo episode talking about divided we fall. And yeah. um, man, do we feel a little slightly divided right now. I'm kind of pissed at my cousin 
right now because of the election stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to hate my cousin. I want to like my cousin. But There's been- a lot of people out there who are probably not liking their cousins right now or their uncles or grandpa or whoever, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that solo cast was really important for me, Joe, because I talk about the fact that media really has divided us. And I, and I don't mean to lump all media like, oh, media is bad, all media is bad, because I think the, the fourth estate, isn't it the fourth estate? Yeah. Is important, right? I think media is important. But I also need, we need to look at where was the money flowing? And if the money was flowing to those that created divide, then maybe we need to question that a little bit. And uh, so as we move into uh, November, December, January, and it looks like COVID will probably still be here. um, One of the things that I think we need to focus on is our own adaptability. And when we talk about uh, evolution, you know, Darwin didn't say the strongest survive. He said the most adaptable survive. And so we all have to figure out how do we adapt to this scenario? And, um, you know, we'll do it. We're an adapted species. Well, I think I have to adapt to the fact that my cousin Gail's an idiot. So, <laughs> no. no, but what is funny uh, to, to your point about the election is because I thought about that, Adam, is we are now at a place where we look at an election like it's a sports contest. Right. I mean, uh, we've got this where we're supporting one side, like we're supporting a football team or we're supporting this side. And I don't know, I personally think we should be supporting ideas, not people. And the second that we say I'm X person supporter, that's when we start going down the wrong, the wrong rabbit hole. So anyway, the the counselor that I interviewed on the show uh, when we were talking about mental health, she kind of put it into perspective for me. She said, you know, one person, you personally probably have 35 different platforms, theories, ideas, things you hold dear. If I am violently opposed to one of them, it doesn't make you a bad person um, necessarily. I don't know. Does it, Joe? You have a look on your face like I should question that logic. No, I'm thinking it still makes my cousin Gail a bad person, but, yeah, I, but I, get, I get where you're going. <laughs> You don't listen to the show. If I, I hope not. Actually, I don't really care uh, because we kind of had it out. But that's uh, but and, and I don't do that very much. But it was yeah yeah. But the, but to, to, to your point, yes, Gail has a lot of great qualities, and I should I should recognize that. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Um, we also talk on the show about how our uh, our stories around money were created when we were very young, as I believe were our stories around politics and everything else. I mean, I grew up in a household that, uh, or not in my household, my grandpa was a, a very socialist leaning guy. I mean, he ran for the governor of the state of Iowa and his campaign platform was he wanted to legalize marijuana, prostitution, and gambling. Wow. Yeah. Hey. He was super progressive. <laughs> Holy um, cow. In what year? 1973. Wow. And he was going to tax all of those and then use it to support social programs. There it is. See, see, that sounds more libertarian to me, you know, very libertarian before libertarian. Right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's a build a bigger life podcast, always something original and fun and something I don't expect, but something that I think that we all need at AC giving us what we need. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what you need. You may need your own private jet, don't you? We'll talk about why. I can't can't wait to have this conversation. (laughs) We'll talk about why on tomorrow's show. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.
show is created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.